Okay, so today we're going to do something exciting. We are going to grow an oak tree right here. So we got our cup of fertile soil, our acorn. Get it down in there. Water it. Okay. Got it in the sun. This was what the said it was necessary. But it's not working. Okay. Well, we're not going to do that today, I guess. Uh, who's reading scripture? <laughs> Doreen, come on up. Acts 2, 40 through 47. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had, all, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Doreen. Father, we come into your presence. Lord, we are always in your presence, but we come here in a special way because you call us to in a special way. And you tell us that this is not for your ego. You don't really need this, but we need this. We need to meet with you together along with the other brothers and sisters that you've called us to be together with in this way weekly, and you tell us that that's good for us. And so we are here in obedience to you. Uh, some of us may be here because we're just here, and we don't even really know why we're here, but you do. And you've brought us here for your purposes, and your purposes for us are always good because you love us. And you're always working, whether we see it or not, whether we feel it or not, you're always working. And we pray now a prayer of asking, but also a prayer of gratitude for knowing that you've already answered it, which is that you would use your word and your spirit to work powerfully in us and not leave us unchanged. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, um, yeah, still, okay. Um, that's so dumb, y'all. Thank you for letting me do this. Um, so just, just go with me here for a second. If, if what it takes to grow an oak tree, we've got the acorn, we've got the fertile soil, we've got the water, the sun, What's the ingredient that's missing? Why don't we have a tree right now? Time. Okay, another way to think about that is devotion. So uh, it's, it's devoting, that acorn devoting itself to those things over a long period of time is what ultimately ends up in this mature tree. And it's ridiculous again, so forgive me and thank you for letting me do that. But 
it's, it's just, I think, it, you know, we know what that's like. We know what that's like in other areas of our lives. We know what that's like in fitness. We know what that's like in learning, acquiring a new skill. We know what that's like in, that's how life works. You put yourself to something. You devote yourself to something for an extended period of time. And you see, maybe you don't see, but eventually you see the fruit of these incremental gains over a long period of time. And you are transformed. You have abilities that you didn't have before. Things are different. Things have, have changed. But uh, a lot of times we forget that and we don't bring that knowledge to us, uh, with us to this arena of what it is to grow in Christ. And so this passage, we're, we're in this study of Acts. This is our second week in this new series, um, studying the book of Acts. This is the beginning of the church in the world, the people of God who are empowered by the Spirit of God on the mission of God. And uh, what, you know, what I've asked you last week and what I'm going to continue to ask you uh, over the course of the semester is that you would consider yourself uh, on an exploring board. And so if you remember what I said that was, was you know, when you're starting an organization, you, it's a trick that you do to ask people to be a part of something for just a few months. And then by the end of those few months, they end up staying apart. But it's like you're, you're starting something. Hey, would you be on this exploring board with us? And would you dream with us of what this could look like? And then at the end of these three months, we'll say thank you. And you can either stay and be all in or you can go. And um, a lot of times I just think that it would be really healthy for us to approach our commitment to the Lord and to his people in the local church in that way, because we just acquire all these things. I mean, it's like, you know, having all these monthly subscriptions and money's just draining out of your bank account and you forgot what you're even a part of and you don't use it, you don't think about it. And I heard about this church in Texas that uh, people have to rejoin the church every year. And there's a lot that I don't like about that. But one thing I do like about it is it forces you to engage. It forces you to remember and to activate your mind and think, okay, what, what does this mean to be a part of this? And so if, you know, if you really take what we're doing as we look at the book of Acts, that's what we're doing, is we are saying we're an exploring board right now. We are looking together. This is the foundation of the church. This is what it is to be the church. And so each week we're going to have Jesus talk to us through his word and tell us about what this means. And what I'm going to ask from y'all is to lean in from now until Christmas. And would you lean in and, and really dream and say, okay, if this is what it is, I'm going to lean in and try this and do this and follow this. And then you can evaluate. Remember, I don't care how you grew up, but you're an adult. And nobody is forcing you to be here. And nobody is forcing you to maintain these traditions that maybe you grew up with, but you, they really feel divorced from the rest of your life. And so would you lean in and consider what this is and see how it, you know, try it on, walk around in it, see how it feels, and then you can make the call. And so today, what we're looking at is what Jesus is telling us his church is to be devoted to, um, to devote themselves to these very ordinary means, uh, to see through the Spirit's power those ordinary, devotion to these ordinary means yielding very extraordinary results. You know, you think about a tree, the fact that a, a, a tiny acorn produces a, a giant oak tree is amazing. That's extraordinary. But it's also ordinary because it happens all the time. And that's, it's a little bit of the same thing here with the, the spiritual life of the people of God who are on mission with him. So that's where we're going this morning. Um, and we're going to start in verse 40 because it's important to know the context of where we find ourselves in this world. So Paul, or uh, excuse me, Peter has just preached this sermon, you know, last week we talked about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming 
into the disciples and they're able to share the wonderful works of God in all the different languages so everybody can understand and hear them. And then everybody's kind of confused. They're like, this is amazing, but I also don't know what's going on. And so then in steps Peter and he says, okay, I'll explain. And he preaches this sermon. And at the end of this sermon, it says that um, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so I want to start there because what Peter is saying to these listeners years and years ago is the same thing that Jesus is saying to us now. We find ourselves in a crooked generation. And that word crooked is actually in Greek, it's scolios, which is where we get the word scoliosis. It means it's crooked, it's not right, it's not healthy. And if you want to think about it in this context, you know, the, the culture that we live in now it's always a temptation as you age to, to see the current culture and be like, well, now it's really crazy. No, it's always been crazy. Because what's happening, the crazy part, the part that's out of joint, is that this world was, everything that was seen was made by an eternal God. And, the, and us, the people that he created, he made in his image, and he put us here for his purposes and to have relationship with him. That's why we exist. And so when you have a planet full of people who are trying to find their life's purpose and their well-being apart from the God who created them to be in relationship with him, it's going to get weird, right? It's going to get crooked. It's going to get out of joint because we weren't made to operate like this. A great example of that this week was I was taking my boys downtown and we were at a stoplight and I, don't, I didn't see the original issue of what, what got us to this point. But there is a, a woman in a car and a man on a scooter, and he is next to her passenger side, and she is out of the car holding a Wendy's cup, and they are screaming at each other at the top of their lungs, and she eventually throws the Wendy's cup, and it lands all over him. He looks down, and then he starts punching the side of her car. We're like, that's what we're talking about here. And, and like I do my equivalent of that, in my own life, in quieter, more subtle ways, and so do you. We live in a crooked generation. We live in a world that is not functioning correctly. And Paul is saying, you need to save yourselves. Not like you can be the master of your own salvation, but he's saying, because of what Jesus has done for you, and because the news of what Jesus has done has come to you, and now all that there is is to receive it, to accept it, to believe it, and to start walking in it, now you have the capacity in some sense to save yourself. Everything that's necessary for you to have life and everything that's necessary for you to be brought back into relationship with God and to live the way that you were meant to live has been accomplished through Jesus, through his grace, not any of our own doing. The only thing that we bring to the party is our sin and our need. And he's saying, but now that you know that and there's this open invitation from Jesus to say, come, have life in me. Now, Go. That, that is your part, is to go and, and respond to the call that God's putting on your heart. And he's saying, in a sense, if you don't do anything different, if you don't turn and move against the current, you will be undone. Because that's the result of all this crookedness and unhealth that just compounds on itself. And, and there is a need to turn and receive and live differently. And so what is it to receive? What is it to receive the gospel? <clears throat> Excuse me. Puberty, as Paul is talking about here, as Peter is talking about here, to receive is to believe what has been shared with you and respond accordingly. 
is to believe the news that's been shared and to respond accordingly. And so the responding accordingly is both instantaneous and ongoing. The instantaneous response is what we read in the next verse. It says, those who received his word were baptized and there was added to that day about 3,000 souls. So it's this, you know, this is not the point of where we're going today, but it's baptism. Jesus says, when you come to faith, I'm, I'm asking you to be baptized. We can talk about that another time of why he might say that. And also added to their number, this, this whole concept of church membership is that they knew who had come to faith because they were now in relationship with them, committed to each other, doing life together. That's why we care about church membership. And so there's that instantaneous response, but then there's this ongoing reception of the gospel. And that's, that's where we're going to focus today. Um, the ongoing receiving the gospel. It's the, the church collectively devoting themselves to daily, weekly practices. Um, it, it's just like our bodies, you know, because we live in this fallen world and we live in this broken body of flesh, our bodies are always tending toward unhealth, right? If we don't eat right, if we don't exercise, if we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, we're always going to trend toward unhealth. And it's the same thing with our souls as we live in this world. And so Hebrews 3.13 is, is, is uh, explaining this a little bit. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And remember, he says brothers, so he's talking to Christians. Lest there be any of you, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But to fight that, to combat that, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. So you, you and I are going to need that. We're going to need to encourage and exhort one another every day so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there's this condition that we live in, in this flesh, where sin is always hardening and cooling off our hearts and making us hard and cold toward God and to his purposes in my life. And he's saying, you actually can't combat that process by yourself. You need community. You need the brothers and sisters in this body that you've been called to. And that's why we care so much about, you know, this is the church is the universal church, yes. But the local manifestation of God's people, this local church, Midtown West, here and now, this place, these individual people, he has called all of us here for the sake of one another. And for the sake of those who don't yet know him, who are we are going to reach with the way that he's, he's inviting us to live and calling us to live. And so we need each other. And so what is, what is devotion? As, as we talk about these things that they devoted themselves to, that Jesus said, hey, look, if you want to know how to spend your days, how to spend your weeks, these are the things that I'm, I'm telling you, this is where wisdom is. This is where life is, is to devote yourself to these things. And what it is to devote yourself is to stay close to have a close personal relationship with, to persist in despite of opposition. So in verse 46, there's kind of a restatement of this devotion, and he just says day by day. Every day, every week, there's this regular rhythm to life, and it's this devotion. It's keeping yourself close to these practices with your brothers and sisters. And everything, you know, spoiler alert, everything that he says here that they devoted themselves to is impossible by yourself. Everything that he calls them to devote themselves to, yes, there are individual manifestations of these things, but every single one of these things is corporate. Every single one of these things requires my brothers and sisters, you all, to be in this with me in order for this to have the effect that Jesus is saying, he's, he, this, the effect that it needs to have in our lives. Okay, so 
that's also why we have the rhythms that we have at Midtown West. We didn't make this up. This is from the Lord. Um, so what are the things that they devoted themselves to? So there's, there's four things that are listed here. The first is the apostles' teaching. Okay, this is the word of God. The word of God that's proclaimed, it's declared, it's explained so that it can be obeyed, so that it can be followed, so that it can be lived out. It's not whatever anybody thinks it is. It's what God says it is. It's his, and the way that his word has come to us, you know, I, I am included in this of taking for granted the reality of the fact that this is God's word. Um, I lose sight of the fact that there are times that I sense him speaking to me through the spirit, but he is speaking to me every time I open this because this word is eternal. It's living, it's active. And so when I read it, it's because he is constantly saying this to his people all the time. So in a very real sense, when I spend time just meditating on Scripture, it is Jesus speaking to me through his written word. And there's a security there because this is, you know, submission to his word is we know that this is his voice. And, and if, if my relationship with him and what he's like is not rooted in his word, then the only alternative is that God starts to sound a lot like me. And he agrees with me all the time. It's amazing how that works. It's actually more fun when I'm not reading scripture um, because I get to do everything that I want. Um, but seriously, that's, that's the only alternative to submitting to what we have is this objective written word is we're going to start to feel like God is calling us to do all the things that we already want to do and not do the things that we don't want to do. Um, and so this is why, you know, the individual practice of meditating on Scripture, but it's also the reading and preaching of the Word every week as we meet like this. It's the way that, you know, our small groups are rooted in conversations around the Word. It's one-on-one discipleship. It's all these vehicles for getting into the Word together and seeing how to live it out in the context of our lives. The second thing he talks about is the fellowship. And this is really important that the word V is in front of fellowship. It's not just friendship and community. We, we miss that a lot. It's friendship and community in the context of gospel partnership. Gospel partnership with Jesus on his mission. Remember, something uh, that we said last week was God doesn't have a mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. You can't divorce the people of God from the mission of God. It's all this one big package deal. And so you think about, for Lord of the Rings fans, they, they call that band of, of characters moving toward the, the end of this goal, the fellowship of the ring. And that's a great way to think about what we're talking about with the fellowship here is it's not just friendship, it's not just community, but that stuff grows out of, and it's this beautiful flower that grows out of the ground of this shared mission that you and I are putting our shoulders to this thing together and then fellowship and friendship and community grows, but that's the strength of it is this shared mission. And, and we know in smaller ways what this feels like in our lives, um, we've all experienced this, whether it's being a part of a sports team or, or <laughs> pledging a, a Greek organization, that may be a warped version of it, but it's a version nonetheless. Military service, um, building an entity together, starting a company together, like all of these endeavors, it forges you in these deep relationships with other people because you have something shared that you are putting your strength toward and you're moving towards something. And so... Um, you have the apostles teaching, the fellowship, 
And the third thing, you have the breaking of the bread. That's, that's the breaking of the bread. That's communion. That's this practice that Jesus told his disciples, hey, until I come back, I want you celebrating this together. And there's a lot we could say here. There's many sermons in this one point here. But one thing I want to draw our attention to is why would this be mentioned? Why would the, the practice of communion be mentioned if he's going to say four things? Why is that one of them? And I think three, three things come to mind. One is, is it allows us to look back in a very real, tangible way. It grounds the spiritual truth in a felt reality of this world, which is to remember, to remember that we were a part of this crooked generation that he has saved us from. It's to look forward to the hope. This is a foretaste of the, the wedding feast. Like, it's not always going to be like this. We're moving towards something. But it's also the third thing that it is, is it's this unifier and, and it's drawing us back to the mission of God in the present. Like, this is why we're here. And, and as we take of this meal together, it is connecting all of us in very deep, powerful ways and reminding us, hey, you are all here for a purpose. You are on this mission together. And then the last thing that he mentions is the prayers, um, corporate and individual regular prayer. And it's this, the same as, as communion. It's, it's learning how to commune with Jesus Together. That's why we push Thursday prayer so much. Because, um, you know, back in the days that this was written, the, in the Jewish culture, there was these fixed hour prayers. And so both individually and corporately, people were praying multiple times a day. And what that's doing is that's drawing us out of, of the world. It's drawing us out of the current of this crooked generation and sitting with Jesus and letting him remind us of who we are, who he is, what, what the ultimate reality is and why we are still on this earth, it teaches us to hear from him. It teaches us to share our hearts with him. It reminds us that we are not independent creatures, that we are very dependent. And again, it unifies us. And that's why we care so much about Thursday prayer is there's a million ways that could look. There's a million variations that we could have, but that's right now what we think is the best and most accessible way for all of us to, to get in on this together is to, to come to him around his word, let him speak to us, and then speak back to him. And then in so doing, we speak, uh, he speaks to us through each other. And so again, just another plug for joining us on Thursday mornings. I found this, this quote this week from a theologian that says this, a community at prayer seeks God's direction and is dependent on God because God's family of people do not work by feelings or intuition, but by actively submitting themselves to his direction. And so again, we cannot be a community on mission if we're not hearing from him and submitting ourselves to him together. And so there you have it. Those are the, the four very ordinary, in, in, in a lot of ways, very ordinary practices that he has called us to devote ourselves to as the people of God, to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to communion, to the fellowship, to being together and doing life together in these ways. There are a lot of people addicted to the extraordinary. Um, I've, I've been a part of worship services where I had to feel like I had to go home and take a nap after the worship service was over. Because, because there's this unspoken, sometimes spoken feeling that if I don't keep my fervor at an 11, the Holy Spirit's going to leave the building and lose interest. And I have to keep getting his attention. No, 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 please don't leave. I'm here. No, no, we really want you to be here. And the problem with that is if I'm so obsessed with the extraordinary, I'm going to miss the ordinary. And guess what? The ordinary is where God lives and speaks about 90% of the time. That's a, 
Yeah, 91% of the time. You know what I'm saying. And it reminded me of this quote that I think is so beautiful and such a good reminder for us. God loves the ordinary. That's why he made so much of it. Like, I mean, look outside the rhythms of life, seasons with plants, the way the animals grow, the way that we grow, the way that everything has this life cycle and develops, and it's slow and it's incremental, and a lot of times you can't see it happening. That is how God works in the world the majority of the time, and he must love it because he created everything to operate like that. And, he, and we must be made to receive it like that because when I try to receive it uh, in extraordinary ways all the time, I get burnt out and frustrated and want to go climb into a, a, a bed and sleep forever. And if you take these four things and you boil them down, what is really underneath and behind and throughout these four practices that he calls us to devote ourselves to? Relationship. Love. He is calling us to deep, deeper and deeper relationships with him and with each other. And him and each other, it becomes intertwined and we can't separate them. Again, Thursday prayer, another, another plug for Thursday prayer, is that I am connected to you by being connected to him and I'm connected to him by being connected to you and on and on and on. And it's this like infinite cycle of deepening relationships with him and with the body. And what is the result? Uh, this is the really fun part. And it's still true. This is still true today. This is not just some historic event that is frozen in time, separated from us. What is the result of devotion to these things together? Devotion to ordinary means brings extraordinary results through the Spirit's power. It results in awe. You want that. I know you do because you're human. We were made for that. We were made for awe in our souls. We want to see the power of God at work in our lives. We want to see that God is indeed personal and he is speaking not just collectively to humanity, but to me as an individual. We were made for that. We are starving for that. And this results from being devoted to these practices. And then this, the apostles were doing many signs and wonders. The spirit was enabling them to do many signs and wonders, to say, to point back to the gospel and say, everything you heard about Jesus is true. Look at this amazing stuff that we're doing. It's not so that you can say, wow, these guys are awesome. It's so that we can believe the words that we say. When I say Jesus has raised from the dead, and then I see you do this other amazing stuff, I'm like, wow, he might actually know what he's talking about. And, and don't miss this. The wonders came as a result of the devotion. How does this work? This is really important. This might be the most important thing. I just felt like I was drawn to this so much this week. There's, a, there's an account in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus goes back to his hometown. And because of the people's lack of faith, he could do no mighty work, it says. And he marveled at their unbelief. Now, did the people's unbelief prevent Jesus' unlimited power from acting? No. I don't think that's what we're talking about. I think what we're talking about is Jesus essentially saying, hey, if you don't want me to be here and be active here, I don't have to be. There's some element of that, of like there's a, a limitation because we actually don't even want it. And so it takes walking in faith, in, in obedience to his word to say, okay, Lord, this is what you said is good. I'm going to follow you in this and I'm, I'm going to watch 
expectantly in faith to see you move through this because this is what you've called us to. And so it must be that if we move in this way, you are going to bring these things. Not us. It's, we're not working this up in our own strength, but you are. And we don't understand always the connection, but it, we, you didn't ask us to understand it. We just do it and trust you and move in this way. There's also a growing love for each other. These people were, were together all the time and even more so, and they were giving of their possessions freely. And a lot of times when you hear this, there's an immediate block that comes up of like, oh no, this is how cults get started, is that everybody has to bring all their money and we're going to divide it and the leader's going to get a little more than everybody else. <laughs> this is not a cult, okay? This is not involuntary. This is not requiring everybody to do this. What's happening is it's like marriage. Remember, like we're in a covenant relationship with Jesus and each other. It's just like a covenant relationship in marriage. It's this freedom. It's this free voluntary flow of like when I love someone and spend this time with them and I realize that they have a need that I can fill, I want to fill it because I love you and I love Jesus and he loves you. And so I love what he loves. And it's this just ongoing and increasing love for one another of like, hey, you've got a need. If I can meet it, I'm going to meet it because you matter to me. It's not this compulsive thing. It's this voluntary thing that's growing from a personal transformation. These people were developing into people that had glad and generous hearts. There's a deeper awareness of Jesus actively caring for me, and what that produces in me is more joy and more generosity. Because when I feel and experience and know experientially that the God of the universe is paying attention to me and caring about me, that takes away a lot of fear. That takes away a lot of um, orphan mentality of having to hoard everything for my own. It brings a lot of freedom and it brings a lot of joy and a lot of gratitude and a lot of generosity and hospitality. It brings more spontaneous worship. And, and I've had conversations with multiple folks in the last few weeks and so I, I feel like this is appropriate here. But worship is this thing that if you think about a trellis and a vine, you know, a trellis is there to provide structure so that this vine, this beautiful living thing can grow. And worship is actually both. Worship is the trellis. Like they were devoting themselves to these types of worship. But then worship is also the vine. It's this living thing that grows because now my heart is being cultivated by the trellis worship. And so now this vine worship is springing up in me and I find myself just welling up in worship because of the things that I'm devoted to. It's changing me. And then favor with the world, favor with the watching world. People who don't know Jesus want to be around you and me. When this is working correctly, people wanna be around us, why? Because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't wanna be surrounded by people who, whose hearts are bursting with joy and generosity and love that is flowing out, right? And think about this. This is amazing. What's actually happening as people who do not know Jesus are being drawn toward us, what's actually happening is it is Jesus using us as vessels. It is Jesus in us. He is drawing, it's not us, it's him drawing these people to himself through us. We are his hands and feet. And they are encountering him when they encounter us as we, as we are in relationship with them and with each other in this way. That's amazing. And then it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
day by day. There's that phrase again, the ordinary and the extraordinary. Day by day, devotion to these things and to each other and to our Jesus yields these day by day extraordinary, but also in some sense, ordinary results of people coming to faith, people coming from death to life and joining this community. That's why our vision for Midtown West is, is it doesn't stop short. It's not that we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free and set others free and just stop there. It's that we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, set others free, and enjoy that freedom together because we want them to be a part of us. We want this family to grow. We want to know them and, and have relationship with them, not just to go out and do a lot of things out there and say, see you later. It's, it's all this relationship, this love, this this flywheel that's turning faster and faster and faster. But again, just like we said earlier, um, as we looked at the Mark 6 passage, Jesus, in, in some sense, uh, may keep people from us if, if we're not really following him because he wants to protect them, <laughs> right? He wants to put them, he wants to plant them in communities where they can grow and flourish in him. And so there is this weird dance between like all of this is in the Lord's power, but he calls us to act in faith and to respond in faith and to obey. And so we loop back to this devotion to the ordinary. And so my, my question for you, my request, as we think about these things in the context of this exploring board of this fall, is would you lean in for the next three months? Would you take steps to lean in and get closer to practicing these, these four practices that he's calling us to devote ourselves to? Whether that's Thursday prayer, if you're not in a small group, joining a small group. Uh, if, you, if you desire one-on-one discipleship, please come talk to me because I will find a way. I will connect you with somebody who can walk in discipleship with you. And they can help you. You don't even have to know what that is. You can just be hungry for that. And, and we will help you figure out what you're even hungry for. Uh, would you lean in personally to, to spend time with him daily in scripture? If you don't know how to do that or you feel like it's, it's not yielding life, again, come talk to me or come talk to somebody in your life who you think knows. And, and it would be my joy, and I'll speak for them and say it would be their joy as well to help you grow in that. Making worship, making this time of worship uh, and communion a priority and actually coming in faith, believing that he's going to show up and, and wondering what he's going to give you <laughs> as you come here and devoting ourselves to one another in relationships, to, to open our houses, to be hospitable to one another, to see people and not just walk by the same people every week, but to say, hey, I've seen you a lot. I actually want to get to know you. <laughs> like, can we grab coffee? Can we grab a meal? Do you want to come over to our house? And let's just lean in and take Jesus at his word and see what happens. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for leading us. You give us everything we need. And now would you give us another thing that we need, which is the faith to believe you and to follow you in this. The trust and the courage and the hope that all of this is true and it's leading us somewhere good even when we can't feel it in the moment. Would you give us the endurance that we need and the, and the joy that flows from this and the peace, Lord, as we we follow you and we are transformed by you. And, and Lord, please would you bring people to life and to our body as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.